Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Forensic Psychology is a podcast that provides an illuminating window into the workings of the criminal mind. Now, here's your host, Dr. Carlos. Welcome, everybody. Hey, if you want to support our podcast, please make sure to hit that share and like button. We truly appreciate those who have, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today, we're going to be looking at what influences criminal behavior. Now, this is a big question, but we're going to try to answer it briefly. In the world of psychology, there are different theories. I call them slices of the pie to try to, try to describe why we behave the way we do. In regular psychology, they look at, for instance, cognition, how we think affects our behavior. Then they look at social learning. We learn by imitating from others. There's behaviorism, where we learn by rewards and punishment. So the pain and pleasure theory reinforcement by getting rewards or uh, avoiding things because of punishment or pain. There's other theories, neuroscience or biology. Maybe it's a, uh, how would you say, um, an imbalance of hormones. Also organic structures inside the brain. Maybe you have an issue, a tumor in one of the parts of your brain, such as the prefrontal cortex, the amygdala, or whatnot, that can influence somebody's behavior. Maybe it's ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. Well, the world of criminology works the same way. Let's take a quick look at some of the ones, some of the key theories they believe about criminal justice, about criminology or criminal behavior. For instance, the first thing we look at, biological risk factors. We can't choose our eye color, and we can't choose the chemical makeup of our brain. This can predispose us to a variety of complications, from clinical depression to epilepsy. Some some criminologists believe our biology can also predispose us to criminality. That's not to say criminals are born that way. Just that biological factors, including variances in autonomic arousal, neurobiology, and neuroendocrine functioning have been shown to increase the likelihood that we might commit criminal acts. There is no criminal gene, but you can have a tendency to particular traits that criminals have. For instance, you might have uh, genetic exposure or biological factors that may increase aggression in you, reduce the, uh, increase your impulsivity, reduce control. So reducing your self-control uh, traits like impulsivity, aggression, these are all behaviors that are found among criminals. So you might be predisposed to those. Again, just because you're predisposed doesn't mean you'll commit criminal activity, but you have a higher chance. How about adverse childhood experiences? In the same way that we can't choose our genetics, we can't choose how we're raised as children. Some of us enjoy pleasant childhoods, others unfortunately not so. Children raised in particularly bad situations are at increased risk for criminal behavior. Both are juvenile and adult years. In fact, research shows that convicted criminals are likely to have experienced four times as many adverse childhood events than non-criminals. We even know with the psychopaths, they have about almost 70-80% have been abused sexually or physically as a child. 
Well, how about the social learning theory about a negative social environment? Who we're around can influence who we are. Just being in a high crime neighborhood can increase our chances of turning to crime ourselves. But being in the presence of criminals is not the only way our environment can affect our behaviors. Research reveals that simply living in poverty increases our likelihood of being, of being incarcerated. When we're having trouble making ends meet, we're under intense stress and more likely to result to crime, especially with peer pressure. But you got to think about one thing, too. They estimate about 10 to 15 percent of the people in these areas of poverty, a low or poor socioeconomic conditions, become criminals or participate in criminal activity, maybe as high as 25 percent. But that still means three quarters of them do not. OK, maybe some haven't been caught. But still, the overwhelming majority do not. So the question is, why do those people who live in those same conditions not commit crimes? So there's other factors, and we'll get to that at the very end of this presentation. There is no debate that criminal behavior and substance abuse are linked. So it's another factor. 85% of the American prison population have abused drugs or alcohol. Additionally, 63 to 83% of individuals who are arrested for most crimes test positive for illegal drugs at the time of their arrest. Some intoxicants, such as alcohol, uh, cocaine, overexcite our nervous system. Well, some do. Alcohol actually inhibits, but cocaine can overexcite our nervous system. In all cases, the physiological and psychological changes caused by intoxicants negatively impact our self-control and decision-making. An altered state can lead directly to committing a criminal act. Additionally, those addicted to intoxicants may turn to crime to pay for their habit. So again, one of the things we've found, especially for juvenile offenders, their prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed yet. And most crimes are committed usually between 16 and 24 years of age. And that's exactly when the prefrontal cortex finally gets completely formed is after 25. The juvenile brain and the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed. So what does that mean? Well, it means they make bad decisions. They have a hard time controlling themselves, make impulse. Uh, they have a problem with impulsivity. They also have a poor moral decision-making skills. Uh, morality is, in, is made in your um, prefrontal cortex or is created there. Executive functioning works there. So anticipating consequences, making good decisions, those are all based in your prefrontal cortex. So if your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed, uh, you have poor socioeconomic conditions, maybe some substance abuse, childhood, adverse childhood effects, the likelihood of you committing crime is pretty high. Again, this is not deterministic. Doesn't mean you're going to have to commit crime. It just means the probability is much higher. One thing I always tell all my students, just remember one thing. Social sciences are not absolute. Criminal justice, criminology, psychology, sociology, those are social sciences, are not absolute. Thanks again for listening to Forensic Psychology. Appreciate your time. If you like this podcast, share and like. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.